good evening. Y'all got to do a little better than that. I'm an old Baptist preacher. I'm used to people shouting stuff and falling out. So I'm going to say good evening. Good evening to you. I want to welcome you to participate with me and help me. Amen. And then after that, I'm going to take three offerings. I only need about $600. <laughs> we got it. We got it in room. Amen. 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 Uh, anybody is a Kansas City Chief fan? Get out now. <laughs> I'm a Cowboy fan. Get out of here with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get it right. Get it right. Get it right. I just want to start by, before I get started here real quick, I won't waste a lot of your time. I want to thank Paul. Um, whenever somebody invites you and uh, allows you to stand before people that they're ministering to and they're caring for, it's a great privilege. I do not take it lightly, and I really do appreciate it. I had never heard of Sterling, Kansas before I met Paul. And, and I just, everybody that live here, everybody has been here, has been great. Uh, me and my family, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate the hospitality. I um, mean, we were excited for the girls to win last night. And I'll just say this, as I'm, whenever I'm before college students, I just want to say, hey, be encouraged. Um, wherever you're at, with your grades, with your finances, with everything that's going on in your life right now, be encouraged because you're at the right place and you're moving further into where you need to go. So just be encouraged and just hold on, all right? I'm going to invite you to just pray with me once more. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you now. We thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this space. We thank you for allowing us, allowing us this time to be here before you. And right now, I just pray that we move any distractions out of the way, anything that's going on, anything that's outside of this time, we just allow, ask you to allow us to put that down now, and even the speaker as a distraction. And we just pray that your word is heard, and your word go forth for your people who need it. These and all things, your precious in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I like movies. So, so a movie that comes to mind as I was looking at this message is uh, The Wedding Ringer. Now, The Wedding Ringer is an interesting story. It's about this guy named Nick. He's a very successful guy. He was making good money. He was in a situation where he was about to uh, marry uh, the girl he thought was the girl of his dreams. And what happens is, uh, as they're planning the wedding, he starts to realize that he doesn't have any friends. So he starts making up lies and telling stories about people that are going to fill out his wedding party. But then a, a guy, there's a guy that he hires that's going to save him. He's going to pretend to be his best friend, his best man, and then he's going to have all these other guys pretend as well for a fee. And what happens is uh, the picture just sort of takes on the misadventures of them doing the little different activities they need to do so they can understand and know each other enough so they can pull off this fakeness of friendship. But over the course of the movie, what they find out, what Nick starts to find out is like, man, I'm really missing out because I don't have friends. And, and the other guy who's been pretending to be different people's friend starts to feel the same way. Which brings us to our point for today. In order for us to be successful in this life, we must surround ourselves 
with good friends. And, and that just leads me right into the question of how do we identify or how do we become good friends? And, and to me, I can tell you a story. Uh, Paul called me free, and I would say, me and Paul are really good friends. We got this picture here. It's just great bro man's picture, right? <laughs> oh, that's so cute, right? <laughs> but let me tell you how me and Paul became friends. Uh, we were working together. He, we were youth. We were working in different capacity with the youth. We had put our kids together and our leaders together, and we had this great event. This was our first event working together. So at this point, we're really just colleagues. What happened is, at the end of one of the nights, I had an issue with some of his kids and some of his uh, volunteers, adult volunteers. And so we get all together. We're in my office at my church. Um, it's, it's at nighttime. Um, and it's me and it's four other guys that look like Paul, if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. So, immediate, so, so as I begin to voice my concern and my issue with what had taken place that day, Immediately, you know, it's like five guys saying, well, Brian, my only pushback to that is that maybe you're just being a little sensitive, right? And then I'm like, no, nah, this is what happened, so on and so forth, and this, that, and other. And all of them sort of one by one sort of chimed in with their little uh, ways to tell me that I didn't know what I was talking about. So let me tell you what happened next. I went off. And I ain't talking Christian go off. I said, so let me tell you what I said. I said, you know what? Y'all ain't going to sit in here and BS me. So if that's what y'all want to do, y'all can take y'all effing kids, y'all effing adults, and you get down my office, out my church, and I'll see you in heaven if you make it. Right? And so it's sort of, you know, of course, they, they, I don't know if they've ever heard anybody talk like that. But, but mind you, we're in my office in my church, <laughs> and that's how I talked to them, right? Because that's what was needed at the moment, I thought, I guess. <laughs> and so what happened is there was this quietness in the room, and then there was this different, we got to talking, and, and, and cooler heads prevailed for that night. So we had another day for this event. So I'm in my mind, I'm like, yeah, these guys, they don't know who they're dealing with, but they're going to be done with me after tomorrow, right? because they got to finish out the event. Well, what happened the next day is Paul came to me and he said, hey, Brian, um, I would really love to go out to lunch with you to sort of understand uh, your perspective and where you're coming from, because I didn't understand it, but I really want to understand it, and I'll pay for lunch. And that's how we started our friendship. And we went from there. So somebody got it right, let me cuss you out, and then you give me a free meal, we could be friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's how we get to be friends but there's all these different thoughts when we talk about friendship and we talk about being good friends there's all these different thoughts I got some here we never lose friends we simply learn who the real ones are okay friends ask why you're crying best friends already have the shovel ready to bury the loser that made you cry <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Paul, you got some work to do. Fake friend. A fake friend likes to see you do well, but not better than them. 
The interesting thing is we could probably stay here all day and all night and just go through memes and different thoughts and different books and different theories and different things talking about what friends are. Some of that up there was okay. Some of it, uh, not necessarily. But what we want to do today as we look at friendship, as we say it's this desirable thing, it's something that we need to succeed, we're going to look into the book of Luke. And it's important we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5 in about four verses. Here's the important thing for you to know about Luke. Luke was a doctor. And he was somebody that was brought into the faith. So what that means is Luke was somebody who researched, did interviews, went back and studied old texts, talked to people who was there. Because when he started to write, he wanted to make sure that it was almost 100% perfect so that he can explain it and defend it if somebody said there was something wrong with it. Sort of like if you go in to get your doctor, you write a dissertation and have to defend it. That's how Luke wrote his gospel. And, and it's actually the longest book in the New Testament. And he sneaks in these great details in stories that are told by somebody else with not necessarily the same amount of detail. And so when we look at our question today, how do we identify good friends? We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5. And the first thing it says is, good friends are sensitive to your needs. The scriptures I'll be reading will be the New International Version. Whatever version you're reading is fine, but just so you know, I'm reading from the New International Version. Here. And verse 17 and 18 said, One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Good friends are sensitive to your need. It's important to note that we're at a point in Jesus Christ's ministry where he has started preaching, and when he was preaching, he was preaching the same thing they had been preaching for a hundred years, but there was something different. There was a power with it. And then what would happen is he could heal people. So you, can you imagine what would happen if I could heal people like this? Part, I mean, we'd be packed out, right? There'd be people wrapped around the corner. If I said, you know, I'm handing out uh, debt forgiveness, no college loans, everybody get a $100 bill, we would be packed out, right? Everybody be here. <laughs> Amen. So Jesus Christ was healing people. So what happened then, he would have to leave the town at night, most of the time when everybody left and went to sleep, and he would go to these rural areas so that he can get away from people, recuperate, and then when they would find out where he was, people would flock to it. And this was going on. It was word of mouth. It was all over. So these men, they, these, these friends of this paralyzed man had heard about Jesus Christ and said, man, this guy is preaching with power and he's healing. We got a friend that needs to be made whole. Let's take him to him. And it's like you and I. If you got a friend, you got a good friend, if anybody has a good friend that uh, is in a wheelchair, what happens when you start going places? You start advocating for access. You start, when you go to the concert, before you go, you look for the handicap section, you look for the ramps, you say, this needs to be more wheelchair accessible. You're not in a wheelchair. But because your friend who you care deeply about is in a wheelchair, you start to advocate for that. Your care, you're sensitive to that need. There are people who, as we 
breast cancer. There, we, have, we have pink ribbons for breast cancer. We have red ribbons for those who are soldiers away at war. We are advocating for somebody who's not us because we're sensitive to their needs. Luke is saying good friends are sensitive to your needs. The next thing is good friends will work to get you the help you need. When they could not find, verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the towels into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Good friends will work to get you the help you need because they got all the way to the door and it was packed. And it was crowded, and they couldn't get through the crowd. They could have easily stopped there and said, we're going to wait for him to come out. But they were willing to do more work. Good friends get past the, you, are you sure? Have you ever, somebody ever said, listen, uh, you ever ask somebody if they need some help, and they'd be like, nah, I'm okay. And then you look at it, and you say, but man, it, it looks like a lot. Now, the kind of friend I am, you got two you okays, and then that's on you okay. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you one time, if I'm looking and you got a task that seems so insurmountable, and I'm saying this is a two-person job and you're trying to do it yourself, then I'm going to ask you again, hey, man, you really sure? Ah, oh, man, yeah, Brian, I'm sure I got it. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. I might, might throw like a half of a one in there. Like, well, okay, then. You said you was good, right? <laughs> good friends are willing to work to get the help you need they're going to push past the initial no you don't need any help when I was when I was younger much younger going outside was everything to us that was our internet our iPhone our 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 video game it was everything to us especially on a Saturday but there was always a list of things that you would have to do before you could get outside. And most of the time it was your chores. And if you got outside and you're outside by yourself, that's no good. So you go, go knock on Leon's door and say, Miss, Miss Peggy, Miss Peggy, can, can Leon come out? And she, sometimes she would say, well, he has to finish his chores. And I would say, man, uh, well, can I help? And most of the time she would say, no, nah, because y'all just going to be playing. <laughs> but sometimes she'd say, yeah. Or sometimes she'd say, you know what, since you was willing to help him, Leon, come on, go outside, you can do that later. I was willing to help him because he was my friend. Good friends will work to get you the help you need. And then the other thing here is good friends will do whatever they can to get you close to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now you got to understand it. It matters because Jesus Christ would get in these places and they would be getting so close to him. They would be bumping into him because just touching him could heal you. So he wouldn't have any room. So what happened is he goes into this place and he goes into this house and what they would literally have to do is say, step back. Because for him to be able to preach, for him to be able to teach a sermon, they have to step back so everybody in the room can hear him. Now there's people all in front of him, there are people on the side, and there's people behind him. 
And he's unmovable right here. The only place is right in front of him at his feet. And these friends were saying, we couldn't get in the door. It's packed out. It's people everywhere. So you know what? We're going to put him at the feet of Jesus Christ. When I, about 15 years ago, I started uh, working for the post office. I was actually a mailman. I'm going to pay you. So we're going to see if somebody was listening early. I was a mailman. And, and the thing was, uh, let me be clear, I wasn't even going to church. 15 years ago, I started at the post office. There was a guy named Maurice Jackson. And he would come in. He'd be like, hey, man, you want to go to lunch? And I'd be like, nah, because I don't know him. And he would just do it almost like every other day. Like every other day. And, you know, guess what? I cussed him out three or four or five or ten or twelve times. But then one day, we went to lunch. So guess what that means? So, that's right. And that means we friends. Somebody was friends. That means we friends now. Now, what I did not know was Reese was a deacon in his church. And so what would happen is we got in this rhythm where we're going, we're mailmen, we're doing the same job. We would go to lunch almost every day, and he started saying stuff to me like, man, you need to go to church, man. That, uh, the, deacon, the, the pastor needs a, a, strong, a good amen from a strong brother like you. And I'd be like, all right, man, okay. And then he'd come in, Monday, did you go to church? And then he'd tell me everything that happened at his church. And then he'd come in Wednesday, man, did you go to Bible study? And he would tell me everything. And he, he just kept consistently saying things to me like, that, that preacher, he sure needs a strong brother like you in his church. Boy, a good amen, man. You're a good brother. You're doing the right thing. You should do it. And this went on for like seven or eight months. And like I said, sometimes I cuss him out about it. Sometimes I'd be like, man, come on, man. Come on with the church stuff. Leave me alone. The first time when we went to church, man, I couldn't wait to get to work on Monday. So I could tell Reese, and I say, Reese, man, I went, man, and, and this is what we was talking about, and this, this, and that. Yeah, man, I'm going Wednesday, and this, this, and that. And he was excited for me. And the thing was, his whole time, he was concerned about me getting closer to Jesus Christ because he noted that where I needed to be. And he wasn't deterred by my cussing. He wasn't deterred by me constantly being defeated when I say, nah, man, I ain't going, man. You can talk all you want to talk. I'm still not going. That's good for you. He knew the place for me was at the feet of Jesus. And he would not stop. And he would do everything he could. Good friends will do whatever they can to get you to the feet of Jesus. And as we look at good friends, and we're saying that if, if it's true that we need good friends, and, and it's true that good friends will, excuse me, if it's true, <laughs> I got a thought. If it's true that good friends are sensitive to our needs, if it's true that good friends will work to get us the help they need, if it's true that good friends will do whatever it takes to get us to the feet of Jesus Christ, what do you and I need to do to become good friends? Here's some things to consider. We should develop, develop a small group of friends you can trust. And let me say, I, I read something that like 90% of you guys are involved in extra, extracurricular activities around here. Not the bad ones, the right ones. Amen. 
<laughs> Develop a small group of friends you can trust. Book studies is a great place for this. But let me say this. Be particular about the books. Purpose-driven life, kingdom man, kingdom woman, resolution for men, resolution for women, watch your mouth, uh, your comeback. Let me say why. The reason why I say books like that is because those books are very personal to you. And if you take a week, if you read a chapter a week and you say it's a personal reflection, but then you come into a small group of friends and you guys are personally reflecting together, then that will deepen the friendship. And it gets you into a different relationship. The second thing we do, find one or two friends who can, you can hold accountable and vice versa. Let me say, accountability feels like an attack to someone who's never been held accountable. And here's the thing with the, the, the brilliant thing about me and Paul's relationship is we were in a space where we wasn't really at the accountability place yet. We were too new in a relationship and I pressed very hard. And he could have easily walked out and been his right and said, I ain't never been talked to like that before. I'll never be talked to like that again. That guy can have it. But to his credit, he stood in and we got to a place where we can hold each other accountable. But the caring for each other and the loving each other has to come before we can hold each other accountable. And the other thing I would say, do find friends who are different places in their spiritual journey. Let me say this. You should always be learning, leading, and serving. There should always be somebody in your life that you're learning from. There should always be somebody in your life that you're sort of leading, and then you serve everybody who's not even on the plate with you yet. So let me say this. I know you're in college and, and you, the, the ideals be around all college students and everybody your age and you guys are the smartest people in the world and, and you know everything. It's great to have somebody older than you. And then it's great for you to go be a mentor. There's a middle school here, right? I know it's only like, what, 300 people in this town, but <laughs> maybe you could double up, but there's a mentor. So then that would be leading, learning, and serving. We should always be learning, leading, and serving. And that's how we develop, that's how we get into this place where we're being good friends. Because we understand that to succeed in this life, you and I need good friends. Luke paints an amazing picture here. When we start talking about it and we're considering friendship, Luke says, let me tell you about a guy I know who happens to be paralyzed and could do nothing for himself. But guess what? This guy has such a great group of friends that they said, because we've heard about this guy, Jesus Christ, who is preaching the word and healing, we want to take our friend who needs healing to him. Now, let me tell you what else that means. It sounds real simple when you can get in the Uber or when you can throw somebody in the back of your car and you can ride right down 
down there. This is a time where they're walking wherever they go. And Jesus Christ was going into these rural areas. So this is a two or three day, this be a two or three day trip. So not only are they saying we're going to take our friend and we're going to get him the hill he needs, buy this guy Jesus, we're going there. They're saying we're going to accept all responsibility for our friend along the way. We're going to care for him. We're going to feed him. We're going to change him. We're going to make sure nothing happens to him. We're going to keep the sun off of him in the day, and we're going to keep him covered at night. We're going to carry him because we care that much about our friend. And the amazing thing is this group of friends not only cared for him and carried him all the way to Jesus, what they did when they got there, tired is they said, we could not get in. They stopped and they see all the people around and nobody was sympathetic enough because they weren't friends of this paralyzed guy. They didn't care that he couldn't get in close to Jesus Christ. They said, no, you can't make it in. And those friends could have easily stopped there and I still would count them as good friends. But Luke said, no, these friends got to looking and scheming and plotting and planning. They said, man, let's get up on that roof and let's open it up and let's let it down right in front of Jesus Christ. Because we got to do this right now. And here's the amazing thing. Sometimes we forget that Jesus Christ was all man too. So he's preaching this amazing sermon. There's no room except the room that they made him clear out right in front of him before he preached. And then all of a sudden, there's rustling on the roof. And he's hearing it. And I can imagine he had to stop at some point because they start peeling back these layers, right? And now the sun is hitting him on the head. He's sweating like me. And he's saying, wow. And everybody's sort of looking. And he's looking up. And now you see a mat coming down. And I was thinking, like, it ain't, there's no, there's no room here. And then right before him is a paralyzed man on a mat. And in that moment, I can imagine him pausing and just, he, there's nowhere for Jesus Christ to go. There's people flying on the front, and he, he has a man right in front of him. And what Jesus Christ does, the scripture is very clear. He says, because of their faith, friend. Jesus Christ looked up and said, because of their dedication, because of their love, because of their concern, because of everything they were willing to do for you, friend. Because you won't stop, because they wouldn't stop, because they had this certain urgency to put you before my feet, friend. And it's in that next line, we understand that his friends had a two-part. They didn't just want him to be made whole so he can walk again. They knew their friend had a sin issue. And so when they were, the urgency to put him before the feet of Christ, because they understood that Jesus Christ is the only one that's qualified to forgive you of your sins. And so if that's the only place, if that took three days of journey, if that took me pulling back the roof, if that took me slowly lowering you down in the middle of a crowd where there's only enough room for you at the feet of Jesus Christ, that's where you need to be because you need what Jesus Christ says, friend. Because of them, friend, your sins are forgiven. 
Jesus Christ looked at the kind of friends they were and forgave a man that didn't ask for forgiveness. Jesus Christ looked at the kind of friend they were and he honored it. He honored it. That's the kind of friend I want. That's the kind of friend I need. I need people that can pray for me and will consistently do whatever it takes to push me to the feet of Christ because they know that's where healing is. Because they know that's where life is. Because they know that's where eternity is. Jesus Christ looked at them and said, friend, your sons are forgiven. If you and I want to succeed in this life, we must surround ourselves with good friends who will be sensitive to our needs, who will help work to get us the help we need, and who will be constantly pushing us and get us to the feet of Christ. Because Jesus Christ walked this earth was crucified after he lived a perfect life, rose up again, and sits on the side of his father advocating for you and I to have the chance to be his friend in Harris to the throne. Jesus Christ looked at them and said, friend, your sins are forgiven. You and I have the same problem that the man had. It's only through accepting and confessing that we can do anything about it. There was friendship at the foot of Jesus. There is friendship there now at the foot of Jesus Christ for you and I, if you accept it. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We just pray in this time that we will come to your feet. We know that we have sinned. We know there's nothing we can do except come to you for it. We thank you for your sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, and we accept it. And if there's somebody under my voice that doesn't know you as a partner of their sins, we just pray that they come to know you today. We pray that those of us who do know you, that we continue to be the kind of people that when someone comes in contact with us, they see you and that you can forgive them and call them friends simply from them being in our presence and us pushing them to your presence. I pray that you'll allow us to constantly constantly be mindful of who you are and be mindful of who you called us to be once we know you. These and all things we pray in your precious son Jesus' name. Amen.